I'm on time with it today. No pause. <laughs> no pause. Let it rock. Shout out to my boy Lee Bueller, DJ Lee, Envision Music. We ain't have an intro for a long while. We got it now. It's a special day, so we're going to let this play. Signs of improvement, you know? <laughs> This is one of those those first moves we made when you like, oh, they've been in the gym all summer. <laughs> this is one of those. <laughs> Shout out to Lee, man. Soundboard and everything, man. Ooh, Bridging the Gap podcast, episode 27. Tale of two generations. OG, triple OG, young OG, you know, not self-proclaimed. Those of you who know, know, you know, <laughs> we are here, man. We are here. We are here. First of all. Twenty seven. Is that us going to the bank? That's going to the bank because it's right. coming. We run into the bank. We definitely be going to the bank next year. Right. Sure. And then we go to the airport. <laughs> <laughs> you know, safe travels, man. Um, I'm your your host, Ryan Yates. Um, I'm here with my OG, Jew Pac, Jules the jeweler, um, you know, the donut bandit. You know, there's a bunch of aliases we have. Oscar the Grouch. We got to go through them all on I'm the saying, season. But you already, don't, listen, man, if this is the last one before we go on break, don't don't come at me no slander, man. It's not slander. Did you not get Krispy Kremes today as a present? We got Krispy Kremes. Where are the Krispy Kremes at right now? In my apartment, waiting on you. <laughs> and don't, don't front. We got three bags the other day of some treats. One for you, Coach Ethan. One for me. One for Coach Ryan. Okay, okay. You haven't seen any of them, have you? <laughs> he took one and demolished it uh -huh. on the side while I was out there coaching with the kids. Look, you know what's funny about this? I knew you were going to try this. I knew it. It's the truth. No, 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 no. Ethan back there, you guys have been paying attention um, since day one, episode one. Our animations and artwork have been elevating, you know, been getting great. So let's give him a round of applause for that, for finally believing in himself and, and making some things happen. Doing what you do. You know, on top of all the other stuff. But Ethan, you know, I think I gave you a call, Ethan, didn't I? I let you, on Saturday, I gave you a call and I let you know that we got some treats. <laughs> Mind you, we, you know, it's, it's, a, it's Sunday right now, a few days after. When did you hear from Coach King that you had some treats from you? Just now. Isn't that ironic? <laughs> ah, ah, there we go. Yeah, look, there we go. Do you, put your detective hat on, right? I knew that he was going to already say something <laughs> because he's going to try to set me up like, yo, yo, go ahead and crush those things. And then, you know what I'm saying? I got you. I ain't going to say nothing. Nope. And then now he's going to try to blast me in front of the camera. Nope. So, so it's okay. Nah, no, you know I got you. <laughs> on, and you man. know when they hit you with that, you know I got you. He ain't got you. Because I ain't going to hold you. Mom, dude, shout out to mom. Oh, I hope my own moms are amazing. We love you guys. Dads too, you hold it down. 
man, it's, it was eight cookies per batch. So it was, I ain't had to go in nobody else's stash. <laughs> Listen, man, he ate eight cookies in about two minutes. Yeah, I killed the them. Side. I needed okay. the sugar rush, man. Was, on, man. I need some glucose. You know what I'm saying? It's cool, but you know you got a sweet tooth. Yeah, I'm supposed to. I'm I'm supposed I'm in I'm in my elderly years I'm just now. Saying, you, you know what I'm saying? You know, caught you red-handed, killer. Like, he tried to get me. See, that's why you always make sure you do your due diligence. Cause he was trying to set me up, wasn't he? Man. It's all good though. He is good, man. But where's it? You still got the cookies? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> man. So here's what I didn't want to happen. I didn't want you to get them late and they go bad. You know what I'm saying? Then you eat them, then you're not feeling well, then you can't, you know what I'm saying? You can't function properly the next day. So I saved you from that. That's real considerate. Yeah. That's real considerate of you, man. That's a compassionate guy right there. Right. You know, I'm always looking, I'm an older guy. You know that. <laughs> you know, we always look out for the young buck. Man, look, well, we do look out for E, though. We definitely do. For sure. But you missed out on some fire cookies. A1, you know what I'm saying? You, there'll be more coming around, man. For sure. It's all good. But um, for those of you who may be our first time listeners um, or first time watchers on YouTube, we are in Dubai. Um, I'm sure you can tell by our accent and all this other stuff that we are American. But we are in Dubai building our own hoop uh, basketball brand academy called Hoop Mountain Dubai. Um, it's Hoop Mountain DXB on Instagram and Hoop Mountain AE online. You can find us. We're available. Um, you can send us a message on WhatsApp. All of our contact information is there, even throughout the summer. Um, Coach and I will be going on our little vacation. Um, I finally get to. It's needed. Yes. I finally get to go home. I haven't been home since 2019, September. And, you know, a lot has transpired since then. Yes, I've been counting the days. Counting the days. We're going on like 20 months or something like that. But we get to, we get to go. So, again, we, we on the button. Fire! We on the button again. Um, but you guys can still check in with us. Um, you guys know we're a family, a community. So we're always going to be available. Coach King, for sure, is going to be available. You know, he likes to talk to families and people throughout the time. I'll be on IG clown, clowning around with you guys, making sure you're getting your work in, though, because yep. the off-season, you heard Cole, the off-season is where those dreams are made, you know? Um, so right now, man... This is an episode that we can go a whole bunch of different ways with stuff. Right. Well, first, let me, let's let's do a check-in, as always. Um, Zahed, you good? Yeah. We all good? E, how you feeling? E, you can talk to us. You're not going to get on camera yet, though, but you can talk to us. Tell us the truth. Go ahead, you know, move it, move it down so we can hear you. You good? Don't lie to me, man. <laughs> you should be great. You just got back from Portugal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, he said he needed the cookies. That would have been, you know what I'm saying? Listen, man, the one thing you shouldn't do, don't get caught up in his hype, man. I'm telling you. Don't, <laughs> listen, don't do that, man. He will set you up. I'm telling you. And then do this, push you off the cliff. You know what I'm saying? As you down there on, splattered on the rocks, he's going to be laughing at you. You know what I'm saying? Don't, don't, don't fall for that, man. You see that? You see that? Assassination of character. <laughs> What you mean? That's all right, Ethan. You've been around me a long time. Have I ever given you any notion of that? <laughs> that's crazy. Any chance he gets to clown you, that's now. Don't, I, don't I give him jokes, but we make jokes on each other, though. 
That's the you, that's, you that's the basketball culture. No, you and I. No, no, I'm I'm old. I don't play that. I don't play those games. You old now? Yeah. <laughs> Y'all see that face? You see that face right yeah. there? Yeah, man, lying, <laughs> lying. But Ethan, you good, man? Yeah. Yeah, you good. Yeah, it's a it's a nice little time. It's real hot out here. It's real. It's it's toasty out there. Real oven like like. How you feeling, big dog? I'm good, man. Yeah. We winding it down. Man, we there. Watching the clock. Yeah, yeah. We just dribbling it out. We up by 10. Yeah, it's not bad. I'm feeling good too. Besides the heat, the heat is outrageous. Like it's getting real toasty. Yeah, you ain't got half the problems I got. I go from inside to outside. I can't see for about 15 minutes because my glasses are fogged up. Yeah. So, yeah, that's true. That's just that's tough, true. man. But but you know, that's one of the dope things about basketball. Basketball brings so many different people from different parts of life, different careers together. We got the Wasta now. You know what I'm saying? We got one of our Hoop Mountain, our older Hoop Mountain um, people in the in the medical field around here doing some research yep. for you, trying she, to figure she, out. Actually, she sent me a message. I got to listen to I don't want to listen to it around you guys. Yeah. Laughing. <laughs> yeah, look, he's trying to get his eyes right. We yeah. try to make sure he can he can get his 2020. <laughs> it might not be 2020 again. You know, it might be 2040 or something, but it's going to get there, you know, so she can hold it down. So um, take care of your teammates, you know, top of the roster, bottom of the roster, all of you guys are family, and you just never know when those relationships will come to fruition later on in life, right? Um, a quick little NBA update. Uh, Clippers got one. Finally. Yeah, they got one. PG and and, uh, and Kawhi, they, they did that 30-piece uh, between the both of them. Um, Donovan Mitchell had a, a nice little ankle sprain, went down. We tweaked it a little bit. Then when did he go back. down though? I, I, they were, I think it was like towards the second quarter or third. But when he, he said he could have came back in, but they were already down like 18. So it didn't really make a point for him. So, but he said he's going to play. He said, nothing's wrong when we don't ask me again. <laughs> he said, I'm I good. love that kid. Man, he's a star. I mean, I got a question for you. Stephen A brought this up. Is Donovan Mitchell? Uh, uh-oh. <laughs> Stephen A. Smith. Hey, man. That's your we, guy, we, though. No, yeah. Probably, we love him. We yeah. love him, man. We love him. He, <laughs> got, he, got, he caught up in the shirt, man. Um, what? Uh, look. Oh, man. We got See? technical difficulties back here. Let it rock. Oh, oh man. <laughs> Who set this up? Hey, look. We made it. We almost made it. Man. It's, it's all good, man. Hey, you not going to help me out? He, he come on around here. Come on, it's man. Hey, I can't get up. <laughs> And we're not editing it out either, but at all. I don't care. Yeah, he put your mask on, man. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dang, man. <laughs> man, but. How about you going to have me holding this up, E? But Stephen A. Said, you get, look, it looks too. Now you're playing, man. <laughs> That's for eating his cookies. <laughs> I was 16 of them things, too. It was fire. Thank uh, you, E. Man. You know what I'm saying? But. You put it on there? But, uh-oh. Okay. We made it. We made it. Thank Twenty-seven you, episodes. Like, and this is what we. This is what it looked like every day. But Stephen A. said, "Let's give a round of applause for E. Hold it down." You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. No, no. We'll keep it all in. We'll keep it all in. Yeah, no, you had the right idea. No, keep it in because we need to keep it on. So what we got to do is talk about Stephen A. He said that um, Donovan Mitchell is the best player 
in Utah Jazz history. I agree. But I'll let you, you know, get into it. And I, I want to say I do think John Stockton is one of the most disrespected greats of all time. Yeah. Please, man. Let we Listen, I just said I love that kid. Yeah. I love watching Donovan Mitchell mm-hmm. play. He's got the heart of a champion. Even though they haven't won, he's got the heart of a champion. He will be a champion at some point in his career. He's tough as nails. He's skilled. He's just an all-around player. He he does whatever it takes for his team to win. But to say this early in his career, he's the best jazz player of all. That's, come on, man. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the two greats that were staples of the Utah Jazz um, organization for many, many years, double-digit years. One is the second or third all-time leading scorer in NBA history. And that's a guy that Carmel basically Rob, perfected Rob. the pick and pop for the, for the four-man mid-range. Perfected it, all right? His partner in crime, John Stockton, all-time assist leader. And if I'm not mistaken, he's either number one or number two in the steals. Maybe I'm wrong. Catch it. Check that out for me. Yeah. And then you – it's funny because just recently, as maybe two or three years ago – you had all the other great point guards, GP. You got it, e? Yeah, just look for his all-time okay. steals and all-time assists. Mark Jackson, you know, Steve Nett, other guys commenting on John Stockton saying he could have easily averaged over 20 points a game if he wanted to, but he was more about just being a true point guard and running the show and scoring these two. How many assists did he have? Yeah, he, so he's number one in steals Steel. all times, over by by a thousand over Jason Kidd for what steals or assists? Steals, and and, and leader in assists. Yeah, he got fifteen thousand. All right, so well, see the whole list. So we can't we can't sit there and say that somebody that's hot right now is the best jazz player of all time. He could potentially be, but he's got a long way to go. We talk. He probably got like another nine, ten years before we can say that. Yeah. You know, and that, that's just tough because you got to think about it. Not only is it how skilled you are, how tough you are, it's about your durability, you know, and and what you do in terms of your team's performance. These two gentlemen that we're just talking about, Carl Malone, John Stockton, their only downfall is that they ran into Mike. Mm-hmm. And we all know Mike is probably the best player of all time over mm-hmm. Kareem and Wilt. Mm-hmm. And to say that you lost in the finals twice to MJ – yeah. Ain't nobody really, you know, ain't nobody got a hard time with that. And and Stockton is like nobody, we talked about nobody getting to Oscar Robertson. Why like you get rid of it? We're still talking about it. <laughs> yeah. We talked about nobody getting to Oscar Robertson's triple double record, but it, it happened. Right. Now, John Stockton's ast- assist leader record, <laughs> that's 15,000, 15,000, 15,806. And that's 3,000 more than J. Kidd. 3,000 and some change more than J. Kidd. And I just don't I – mean, LeBron is like 6,000 away. That's the, <laughs> And Chris Paul is 5,000 away. And Steve Nash, he was 5,000 away. Chris Paul will probably pass him but before then. But that's a crazy, crazy, crazy stat line just to even think about. Like, man. Well, well that's, that, that goes to their greatness. Think about it. They played together. Yeah. One's the all-time assist leader. Mm-hmm. One's almost the all-time scoring leader. Yeah. I mean, so that's what I'm saying. It just, 
Mitchell, and I'm not trying to jinx you. I hope you do pass them because you know we when we start comparing new guys mm-hmm. to the old to the greats, we we sometimes jinx them. Yeah, and, and then we put too much pressure on them too. Just let them play. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Not to say that he cares what we think, but we know how it goes. It starts in social media. Mm-hmm. One person says something like Stephen A. Smith, then he catches fire, mm-hmm. and then that person hears it over and over and over again. And they start trying to live up to it. Come on, just play. Well, we are bridging the gap here. You know, we say that because it's a twenty-year age difference between the two of us. Um, so perspective perspective is different. I think that I think he's right. All right. Well, and and I'm not looking at it um, based on the stat. Now when we talk about the type of player. I'm not saying anything about accomplishments or anything like that. I'm just talking about as a basketball player and what Donovan Mitchell can do, like within himself, he can score, right? He can defend. Now he's a better assist. He's way more dynamic than either of those two. Like they've never had a player as explosive as him, as dynamic as him from he's shooting the three wherever he wants. Like they said, it's D-Wade 2.0, an upgraded version of that. Uh, John Stockton and Carl Malone were peanut butter and jelly. They were great together. But I'm talking about individual players, just an individual player. Because if you don't have Stockton with Malone, I don't think they have the same type of career if they was if they started off away, right? Wait, well, we never. Let, know, let me. Let me. I know. But let me argue on this side a little bit. We don't know because there were things that those other great point guards said about Stockton that we don't know because the game was different. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like. We talked about Kenny Anderson early on. There was a all the ball handling stuff that people are doing now, Kenny Anderson was doing that way back then, but the style of play was different. So you didn't do all that stuff. And you know, to hear the other great point guards talk about how Stockton could get a bucket when he wanted to, how Stockton could dunk, you know. Yeah, Stockton. You know but Stockton can get a bucket, but he can't do what Donovan Mitchell. No, 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 no. I ain't say, but he but I'm saying here's the thing. It's almost like we talk about the the great two guards. Clyde Drexler is one of the, the great two guards. Right. But we talk about whose game looks sexier. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Don Mitchell's a bad boy. Yeah. But we can't just say he's the best. Like, we got to give him time. Now, if we have this conversation. Five, six. If he's doing this in another four or five years, then I'd be like, hands down. Yeah. yeah. There's no problem. I'm just saying it's, it's premature. Yeah. Because, you know, we all said the same thing about so many other players. Right. And I, I see where they're coming from, though. And, no and visually, I can see what you write. Only time will tell. Right. And, yeah, and like man. I said, I I love it. I hope we don't jinx him. Right. Like Drake said, let's give it a decade and see who's still here. Right. right. So, but that's going to be a fun series. I still got Utah winning. I think it might go six. I hope so. I hope Donovan puts on his cape. I just don't want the Clippers to advance. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's going to. I mean, I believe in T. Lue, Ty Lue, though. That's the one thing, though. I think Ty Lue can make some adjustments to get some things going. But, you know, they are who they are. That's what it always comes back to. Like hey. you are who you are, but PG, we'll see. I mean, he he killed it last night. You got to yeah, give him yeah, credit. That's one out of three. Right, right, and you know that's that may be it because it only takes one. Right, it only takes one sometimes right. if, when you're really a guy. Um, Suns three zero. You know, first of all, Joker, congratulations on your MVP. Yeah. Um, you had a rough game after winning the MVP, but you bounced back with thirty, twenty, and ten. Good Lord. <laughs> Only Will and Kareem did that, but, you know, it's almost time to 
Yeah, I'm sorry, it's a joke. You might as well get ready to take a trip back to the crib. Yeah, it's all good. You know, go yeah, fishing. It's a matter of time. Yeah. So, um, and then on the east tonight, you know, as we were finishing up the recording, we got Brooklyn and Milwaukee going for for game four. You know, um, they had a little altercation last game with with KD and PJ Tucker, and KD security came on and you know made some things happen, so he can't be at none of the games this area anymore. So. They try to make it real ugly and gritty in Milwaukee. You're still going home <laughs> in five. I think this one's going to be another one. Like you can't score 86 points. You can win a game 86 to 83 and feel good about that. Because you only had 86 the game before that when you lost by 50. So if you can't figure out how to score, because KD not going to have another off night, neither is anybody else on the team. When they got all the shots that they wanted, you were in trouble, Budenhoser. You're in the hot seat. I'm finally seeing that, too. Man, that thing should have been smoking two years ago. Man, he been sitting with his feet up, socks off and everything, chilling. Yeah. <laughs> Must be nice. Um, and then Philly and Atlanta. That's a slugfest. You know, it, you know what's funny is that's, that's like both of your homes right there. You know, Philly and Atlanta, <laughs> you got to choose in between the two. Like, where, where, where are you going with it? Yeah. You know, I love Trey Young. I love watching Embiid play. That's a traditional big man. A traditional big man in the sense that, like Shaq, yeah. who was dominant down low, but he could do other things. Yeah. You know, that's why I, I love watching him play. We don't we don't see that anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, you know, outside of him, Joker, and who else has a big? It used to be Boogie. Yeah, I mean it used that's to be Boogie when he was healthy. We got injuries, you know. So yeah. that's just those two, man. The and it's and it's a formula that works. Like I hope teams start to get back to that, especially with some of these young bigs that are coming in. Um, that's something that's gonna work. And you gotta make sure you stick around with that as well. And I don't even want to touch on this too much, but they had a debate, Max and, and Stephen A. They said, Was Shaq ever the best player in the NBA during his career? Like, why do you do this? That's that's when I start to know, like, ESPN and those Running guys. out of stuff to talk about. Man, was Shaq ever the best player in the NBA? What are you talking about? Shut up. <laughs> I'm sick of it, man. But that's a, that was our basketball recap. We're going to take a little bit of a different turn today for our, um, for our season finale. This, this podcast originally started out because... Um, our stories are just so so different, right? It was just something that was like we needed some some way to let people know that we know we're talking about about basketball here in this area, and then also with it being like an eight sometimes nine hour time difference at the crib, we don't really get to talk about anything and, right. and share it with our folks. Um, and it's tough to do that <clears throat> through WhatsApp and Zoom and FaceTime and all those things. So it kind of becomes like our journal to an extent, but. What we, what we were holding off on until this time was really talking about how we got here. Um, somebody may come across this podcast at some point and listen all the way through and they'll be like, why are these two together making a podcast? Like, why does it even make sense? Like, right. the the rapport these guys have, you know, my God, mom, shout out to uh, Miss Melinda. She, uh, she saw that one episode, I forgot to hit the button and we had to record again. <laughs> 
and, and she called my mom. She was like, yo, Coach King is really upset with him. Is everything okay out there? Are they, are they, are they going to be able to make it through the next couple of months? My mom was like, yo, he is fine. Don't you worry. They are A-okay. But people are watching, they're like, how does this even make sense? Yeah, they didn't know what time it was that night. <laughs> no, no. But they see somebody get that mad and they really think like, man, like how he still even record after that? And and we talk about it with our, with the families that we run into and we tell them like, Coach and I are a, a lot different from anybody you've ran into that's running a business, starting a business. And everybody probably hears people say it, but they don't know how deep it runs. So we're going to give you guys, you know, for our season finale, the full story, <laughs> how we got here, um, and what that timeline was like. Um, Coach, I'll let Coach give... We'll give a little bit more of a deeper background on, you know, our personal relationship before we get to the the timeline here. And I'll let Coach start with that. Um, what's that go back? 2008? Yep. Yeah. 2007, 2008, yeah. 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 That's that's when it all began. So I'll let you start with that because you just came in. I, I don't even know how you came in the picture. Man. You just popped up at the gym. <laughs> <laughs> man, that, man, that was a long time ago. Um, that started... Me even getting a chance to know a little bit about T.C. Williams and you guys um, came through Coach Jones, Cornell Jones, longtime um, D.C., Maryland, Virginia, um, high school coach, um, very successful coach, football and basketball, um, probably played on one of the greatest um, high school teams ever in the area, yeah. uh, winning four st straight championships in high school. Yeah. Um, they don't get the love that they um, deserve, but they were Golden State on the high school level, um, averaging over 100 points a game. But um, I ran into Coach Jones working at Buzz Brayman's camp um, each summer for about two summers straight. So what would happen is um, all the guys, you know, we play overseas and stuff like that, and then we come back home and, uh, you know, in between seasons, you know, you got to make some extra money and things like that. So we all, you know, go run camp or whatever. And um, I got placed with Coach Jones. And, you know, the, the school was set up in like two or three, two or three different gyms, or whatever. And uh, Coach Jones and I had all the high school kids, just me and him, like maybe 70, 80 kids. What gym was it? What area was it? Um, Columbia, Maryland. Mm. And, um, you know, so I'm with Coach Jones, first time meeting him. And he introduces himself, whatever. And, um, you know, he basically um, starts giving me instructions. I'm like, man, who is this? Man, I don't know this cat. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but Buzz is like, no, no, it's good. It's good. So, I, you know, I, I get the kids going, get some drills going. And Coach gets a um, beach chair, like a lawn chair, and puts it at half court and sits down. I said, what the? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so he's giving me instructions. So I'm like, man, this is crazy. You know what I'm saying? So over the course of the summer, I began to realize that, he saw something in me that I could potentially be a coach maybe. And um, he was really teaching me and he was testing my, um, my demeanor, mm. you know what I'm saying? To see if I was going to overreact and, um, and pout or either I was just going to go with it. And then eventually, you know what I'm saying? We would open up to each other. Yeah. And, um, you know, over that two summer, you know, those two summers, we became good friends, man. And, um, you know, during our t talks at lunch and you know after practice, I mean, after camp and things like that, he would talk about, "Hey, what's your what's your plans after basketball?" I said, "Well, I don't know. You know, I got some uh, some offers to be, you know, some you know assistant coaches on some you know D two, D three, and maybe a few low level D one you know staffs, whatever." And he was like, 
what about starting at the high school level? So you can start at the grassroots level and then, so that way when you get to that higher level, you will know mm-hmm. what it takes to get there, you know, instead of, you know what I'm saying, beating the system and, um, you know, and shortchanging yourself. I was like, okay, okay, what, what do you have in mind? He says, well, I coach with um, a young guy by the name of Ivan Thomas. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to be taking over T.C. Williams, whatever, and um, um, you should look up the school. He said, it's a lot of talent, a lot of history there, but a very volatile environment. <laughs> he says, but um, I believe in this young guy and um, some, some really good kids coming through the pipeline. So I said, all right, all right, we'll, 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 I'll think about it. And so coach would periodically just remind me, hey, hey, don't forget, I want you to meet Coach Thomas and um, just see what he has to say. Give us a chance, whatever. So um, I ended up meeting Coach one day in Bowie. We had lunch. And after speaking to him for maybe 10, 15 minutes, I knew I would work with him because everything he said was a belief that I had. Mm-hmm. Some of the principles <clears throat> that I had, the character I had. And I swear to God, it sounded like I was talking to John Chaney. Mm. It sounded just like, John, you know, in the fact that I want to play the best teams in the country. Yeah. I'll play them anywhere, anytime. Yeah. You know, with any group. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Somebody that's not afraid, you know. And um, and Coach delivered that message. Like, he got the cadence of a preacher. Oh, for sure. Like, you know, you guys that are from here, you see a, a Baptist preacher or something, a Christian right. church, and you see they getting fired up. Coach Thomas... When he talked, it was different. It was a different energy in the room. Right? Yeah, you you could be on a high school team, and by the time Coach Thomas finishes talking, you think you go out there and be the NBA team. No, right? that's, that's real. <laughs> I, re- I remember, like, we always, as a team, we always said how we really didn't need music to get hyped for a game. Right. Like, you see everybody now, you got your headphones and stuff. Like, all of us, when it was time for that pregame speech, headphones off all of us looking and whatever came out I don't, I'm, I'm sure he wrote something down or something but whatever he wrote and he came in and delivered us we were always ready from opening tip I'll say this coach was real good about taking notes mm-hmm. he was a tactician about everything he was always prepared once he started reading off those notes he just tossed that to side and then everything's coming from the heart. Yes. And so that's why it was like, man, you run through a brick wall for coach. Man, man we came in there one day, like that year that we won states, he, we we played all the top teams. The one thing I remember is when we, we took that bus ride to Benedictine in Richmond to play Ed Davis. Uh, Ed Davis went to UNC, number one in the state. You know, he was Boo Williams, coach had coached him all summer and was <laughs> saying, we're going to schedule y'all to come play. We were going to take the bus down there. We walk into the locker room before hitting the road. And each of us on our lockers had, in, in the D.C. area, there's a magazine that comes out that features all the players, right? And Ed Davis had his own spread. And Coach <laughs> Thomas, while we were in class, this is like 11 a.m. before we about to leave, he had cut out, I think he maybe had the managers help him, he had cut out the article out of like 30 different ones and pasted it into, around the entire locker room. And was like, this the one who said, y'all want nothing but some punks outside of D.C. <laughs> we was like, yo, what did you have time to do this? We were ready to go. Right, ready right. to go. But yeah, shout out to Coach Thomas, man. Yeah. yeah, thanks so much, Coach, for giving me the opportunity. And so, you know, I ca- came on. I said, look, man, I got a lot of private training that I do on the side. I can't jump right into it right away for the summer, for the summer bump and all that stuff. And he said, listen, you just be ready to show up start of the season. 
He says, you do what you got to do. because I don't want to interrupt your schedule. I just want you a part of our program because I think you'll be very valuable with player development and just having another another voice from a different level with these guys. Because Coach Jones already told me about you. If, if Coach Jones says you can help us, I want you. So I come in and from day one, you know, Coach did not treat me as if um, I was the third stepchild. You know, um, he gave me responsibilities right away, held me accountable, valued my point of view, and uh, let me do my thing with you guys. Yeah. You know, before practice, after practice, yo, King, just lock up. And um, for him giving me that kind of, um, you know, leeway, you know, not knowing me, you know, from Adam really, you know, meant a lot to me. So, you know, I took that to heart, you know, just being at Coppin State with Ron Fang Mitchell, being at Temple with John Chaney, I knew what it took to be a winner. Mm-hmm. And that's whether or not you being the, you know, in the starting five, being starting player or coming off the bench, just playing your role. I knew what it meant to, to be a, a manager. Mm-hmm. You know, just any part of the team is important on a run. Because you know from winning many championships, any little thing goes wrong can derail your goals. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I took that very, very seriously. And so <clears throat> by, you know, coming in with you guys and and having a lot of success, man, um, you know, winning a championship that year, that was unbelievable. Yeah. I, I didn't expect that. I, you know, of course, I expect to win, but, you know, winning a state state title, especially in Virginia. That's almost mythical. Yeah. Um, especially from our part of Virginia. Right. Because um, Northern Virginia kind of been like, um, yeah. you know, doormats for quite some time. You know, if you... It's for, seen as privileged. For those of you guys that don't know, in winning a state championship in Virginia, back in those days, it only happened if you were from the Richmond area or the Tidewater area. A team from Northern Virginia winning a state public school championship just didn't happen. Just because, one... They were viewed as soft, mm-hmm. and, they, they, and they were, <laughs> and they were without, with the exception of TC. Yeah. And there were so many private schools in the DMV area that it would take away some of the talent. Yeah, so you could be um, a rising junior at a pretty good public school, and you're a star, but you don't get a chance to finish your career there because you know you get enticed by a you know a big time private school. So you know the public schools in the Hampton, Chesapeake. Virginia Beach area, Newport News area, Richmond, they just, every year, the state championship went through them. Yeah. You, you almost knew it was going to be one of those schools. So for us to come through and um, win at the clip that we did was is very impressive. And then so, you know, Coach Ryan was um, a freshman, I mean, a sophomore on that team, one of the young bucks. And um, on a team with eight seniors. On a team with eight seniors, yeah. right? They went 27-3 to win the state championship and had – what was quoted as the toughest state championship road at that particular time with the teams you had to beat. And so Coach Ryan had his moments where- Well, well we got to talk about like, well, I got to interject because I wasn't I wasn't supposed to be on the team as a, he's talking about the community. Right, right. Right, so he's talking about having a volatile community. A lot of those people in the, in the community kind of would de- distract you and, t- and try to push you away from- 
Coach Thomas, a Coach lot of King, people. <laughs> like for me, Coach Thomas, I, I got stories about Coach Thomas for days, right? I was one of those that was getting, you know, private school looks and all those other different things. It was on the verge of leaving for sure. I remember Coach coming to uh, my middle school when I was in eighth grade and was like, yo, I'm, I heard because I had went to Episcopal, Baldur Six, B.I., O'Connell, and he was like, I heard you taking a tour. Like, you don't need to leave. And then that same week, I went and I watched TC play Scotty Reynolds. And I think this is one of my favorite games I watched because Glenn went off for like 30, like 27 in the second half against Scotty. And George Mason was going crazy. And he was like, private school can't give you this. And, and right here, <laughs> I was like, man, I might stay. But, and then going into my ninth grade year, I was always around the varsity team because, you know, coach like to keep somebody young around. Right. And, but he's always just telling me, you better stay around all off season or preseason. And I had some, some older people around who were, um, kind of trying to always go against the grain because right. they, you know, people around there, they, they really want somebody to go with whatever the community says for Alexandria. So whenever you go against it, they try to steal kids away. So I had somebody telling me to go do a computer class and some other things instead. And, you know, so I missed my opportunity to play there. So going into my, at the end of the freshman season, I remember going into, you know, the summer, Coach Thomas, he was always the realest. <laughs> going into that, he I remember he told me, he said, you're not a varsity player. Like those exact words, he said, you're not a varsity player. So I don't know I don't know if you're going to beat one. Now, mind you, I was my probably the only kid on our um, JV team who was playing on a Nike sponsored team and all these other different things. He's like, you're not a JV, you're not a varsity kid. And he named a peer of mine, friend, everything. He said, he is, but you're not. And I don't know if you got enough to take to get past him. Um, shout out to Coach Hines, because Coach Hines used to, he used to egg me on about this stuff too. He said, every all summer while you lifting weights, you should be saying this dude's name, this dude's name. So going into 10th grade year, I knew it was going to be, it was like 50 people trying out. A lot of them were seniors. A lot of them were rising seniors. Um, and a lot of them uh, were, a lot of them were saying, oh, we almost had a, a fall. But a lot of them <laughs> were saying like, yeah, I'm going to make sure I get this spot. And a lot of them were saying they were going to go after the young guys. So when that day came, because Coach Thomas, when the practice tryouts ended, long day, Coach Thomas always showed each player face by face what was going to happen. So I remember him taking in a lot of seniors who had played JV last year or rising seniors, and they all got cut. And I was like, man, I'm still here. So he brought me in. He was like, I'm going to put you on the team. And I remember people saying, like, Why, how did Yates get there? And then I ended up starting. But a lot of that had to do with those extra extra hours in the gym with you. Right, right. Yeah, you put in a lot of work, man. I mean, it was, <clears throat> I'll say, and and people will think that we're being overdramatic, but playing public school basketball in the Alexandria community is very, very difficult. If you're a young player and, um, you know, you're, you do, you want to be respectful of your, your elders and things like that, but there's so many people giving you bad advice mm -hmm. and, you know, at times you can get caught up and listen to the wrong person and, and make a mistake that could haunt you for the next, you know, five, six years. And so, um, mm -hmm. um, you know, you listening to Coach Thomas, you know, Change having the having the guidance of your mom, who's, you know, your mom don't play. Mm -hmm. You know, she's going to tell you, <laughs> whoever's the realest to you, she's going to point them out. But yeah, listen to him, you okay. know, and um, putting in the extra work before and after, you know, practice really, really made a difference in your game because, uh, you know, you, you began to settle into a role that you're going to be a jack of all trades as a sophomore, master of none. 
but you were vital to our team. You know, you didn't know it at the time. You're young. You know, you want to be, you know, you want to be the next Glenn Andrews. But um, without you developing into that player where we could put defensively on five different positions and you could play five different positions offensively, mm. you know, if we didn't have that Swiss Army knife, who knows what where we would have been, you yeah. know? And so... Um, and it's another thing. Like, I, I wanted to play. <laughs> right, that was the only way right. I was going to play because right. Travis was going to get a bucket. Right. A man was six seven point guard. EJ was going to get to the basket whenever he won. And then we got guys like Ricky and, and Earl and, and a bunch of other people on our team who could all do all of those things. Right. So I was like, man, I got to I got to get my own niche and figure out how it's going to work. Right. So um, that was a, that was a that was an explosive high IQ group. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I give you all credit. That was yeah. a. That was a good group to coach, man, because you guys, you know, there were moments where you guys would butt heads with coach, but for the most part, you guys all bought into your roles. Yeah. And um, because, you know, he always used to preach this. You're always going to, your numbers always going to come up at some point in time. And that's fact. And so um, that was, that's the way you guys were able to run to uh, run through everybody and win the States. Um, and so, you know, for you guys out there, you know, coach Thomas actually, left the year after that. Um, mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I was lucky enough to become the head coach. And so with Ryan uh, remaining, you know, naturally he and uh, EJ, uh, Edward Jenkins were, you know, our two best players returning. And, um, you know, so I had to lean on those guys a lot. And let me, don't let me forget Blue. Let me forget Man, Blue. Man, and, and G. And G, you know, and so, you know, we had a core of, you know, four or five guys from that state championship team that I had to lean on. Hold to. on. We, Blue watches and listens to the pod. Right. So, again, shout out to you, Blue, because I know Blue is, is back home coaching and then, you know, because he around the way. Right. So, he, he giving some love to the youth. Blue, man, you know, we always had my respect. You know, one of the realest for sure. So, shout out to you, big dog. Oh, for sure. He, <laughs> that's why I made sure I didn't forget him. Yeah, because he, know. it just jogged my memory. Right. Yeah. Blue used to make me play one on one with him at the practice before every <laughs> big game. <laughs> yeah. That, that, when I say high IQ, he was definitely one of those guys that, um, he knew everybody's position. Mm -hmm. He knew everybody's responsibilities in every play, every set that we ran. He knew every defense. He knew the scouting report for every other team. Mm hmm. And um, he knew his strengths and weaknesses. He knew his and never weaknesses. played outside of him. Never played outside of him. You know, you know. I just remember um, a dog. Him adding some stuff to his game senior year, though, because remember I said you can't be our starting point guard if you don't get a bucket. Sometimes and that's and he, he went to that flashback because Blue used to be <laughs> he used to be different. He used to go by a different name back in the day. What was his name? We 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 had to retire that coach Thomas. So we had to retire. Oh, okay, okay. But but he used to he used to get to it though for yeah. sure. But yeah, so. After winning that, and again, that was a that was a, a legendary year. Like we had a parade, we had, you know, our own day, and like March thirteenth or something like that. Like the city was rolled out for us, and so for my, I was a sophomore, so for my next two years, like the day Coach Thomas was like, I'm not coming back, like I gotta go. He called us individually before it came out, right. and I remember me, EJ was in Miss Finney office, I was in Miss Finney, like crying. Like, yo, what are we going to do? Right, right. And, and like I said, I was playing. TC, like you said, it's a great area, talent-wise, and it's a lot of history there. People love to be around it, but people don't know about the community. Right. But at the time, my uh, AU coach, when I was playing with the D.C. Bulldogs at the time, 
he was calling me and saying, yo, I might try to get that job. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it's Nike guy. He got he ties with Paul the Six and all those other different things. So either way, I was like, oh, man, my, my guy coming in. But still, I was like, this my guy, but he don't know. Yeah. It's, it's just a different space. So the whole time we was like, uh, we need some continuity. It's going to be crazy expectations. Yeah. Like, how are you going to deal with the, the people around the way? Yeah. You know? It's, <laughs> in fact, when Coach Thomas um, announced he was uh, resigning, I think if I'm not mistaken, there was like 60 to 70 people applying for that job. Assistant coaches in college, high school coaches across the country, because everybody just saw it from the outside. They had no idea that it's a meat grinder, mm-hmm. you know, and and it was evident after I resigned, they had four coaches in four years. Man, bas- you know? that people don't even know they still got a basketball team. <laughs> so um, it might be better now. But. Yeah, but um, but our relationship, that's when it started to blossom. Right, that, going into that, it it fostered. It began that two thousand seven, two thousand eight year when I was you know staying out to practice. But my junior and senior year, that's when things got. Got real. Yeah. We went through a lot. Um, like you said, whenever you win a state championship and you win at the clip that we won, it was high expectations, no matter who's there, no matter who left. Remember, we had eight seniors leave. And, um, you know, we had the forge of a bond, mm-hmm. you know, because we were going to go through tough times, you know. And, um, and I'll say that, you know, I got a lot of flack from people in the community, some people in the school, you know. Ryan is your favorite and you let him get away with murder, but they had no idea that I probably was on you harder than anybody else. Man, listen, you know. those those <laughs> early morning drives to Baltimore and all that other extra stuff, man. Like, you, know, you know, they had no idea that we could win a game by 20 points and I might give you a ride home at night an hour and a half after the game and I still may be talking to you for like 30 minutes in the car before you get out. Man, and, and and for some of my young boys that even Ethan can get into it, that like you get used, you might catch me being long winded or whatever. I get it from him and and my uncle too, because I that used, that's how I used to get into it. People ask me all the time, like, "Yo, you seem wise beyond your time," but it's really just me soaking up. One, I didn't have a choice, <laughs> but soaking up game, listening, and then trying to find you know the pieces that made sense for me during those moments. Because, like you said, I was. I didn't know. I never. I didn't know how to be a college player. I didn't know what it. I didn't know what it meant to have potential. Like I remember as a as a young and I was playing on the um, team when I first very first started. When I started playing basketball, my words going crazy. And I remember the the owner of our young team. I was like eleven. He told me that I was never going to be anything in basketball. He said. I, he said you're going to be. His words verbatim was you're going to be riding on a bus while my son is going to be in the limo. You're going to be watching him go up and down. Right. So that was like in my mind as a youngin from so when people started to tell you you could be this, you could be that, you didn't know which way to go with it. Right. That's why it's important to watch what you say. Right. To the to the youth. Right. So for me, when you started to put things in my mind like you can go here, you can go there, I'd never really seen it. My mom's loves basketball, but she had no clue. Like when those people came and started talking about private school and all these other different type of things, she just would say, how will we pay for it? When they come to that, she'd be like, all right, now it's his decision what he wants to do. Right. So I'm making all basketball decisions like, do I go play with this team? Like, do I go here? Do I go do that? Like, what's how this go? So when you came, that helped. That helped immensely. Thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah. Because 
First time you ever say anything nice about me, but um, yeah, it might be one of the last. But we got it on camera. So <laughs> but but we fast forward to kind of how we ended up here. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> a guy I played with in Argentina by the name of Dwayne O'Canty. You know, you talk about Donovan Mitchell. Dwayne was Donovan Mitchell in Argentina. I'm serious. That's that's how he got down like that. Yeah, of course we don't sit there and give me that smirk. You know what I mean? One's in the league, one's not. But you trust me. Dwayne, you, you hear this? You couldn't check him. Dwayne, you hear this? I locked Dwayne up. No, you couldn't here. check him. Trust me. Yeah, you can't yeah, check him. And so with them high socks. I'm gonna get him. <laughs> Shout out Dwayne. Man. And so, um, you know, he was working over in Kuwait, and um, you know, we always keep in touch. And and around the NBA playoffs, we always get into it real heavy about our predictions and stuff. And so, um, you know, over the years we talk, I said, you know, yo, tell me a little bit about that Kuwait stuff, man. He's like, yo, I'm over here teaching basketball, you know, and, um, you know, doing some coaching and things like that. And, um, why don't you get into it? And I, I had just come back from Canada coaching out there, froze my butt off. What year was that? 2015. Yeah. And, um, I said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm gonna stay at home for a little bit. I've been traveling a lot, you know, after, you know, before and after TC. I said, I'm gonna stay home. I'm gonna do some things here and take a break because that that long run at TC burned me out a little bit. And um, he said, I'm gonna put you in touch with Steve Gibbs. Steve Gibbs is the um, the founder of Hoop Mountain in the, the Boston area. And so we started talking um, and he asked me, would I be a, you know, managing director or technical director, whatever you want to call it, in in a new country that, you know, they may start a new franchise. I said, yeah, depending on what country it is. <laughs> so, you know, he he listed some countries in the, you know, in the Middle East. And I said, okay, cool. I can think about that. And I said, but let me say this. If something comes up in Bahrain or Dubai, holla at me. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'd never been to Dubai. Um, I had friends of mine that played in Bahrain and said it was beautiful. And just... You know, from hearing things about Dubai and seeing postcards, things like that, I said, that looks like a beautiful place mm-hmm. and a place that I could retire in, you know, yeah. and, and be close to the water all the time because anybody that knows me, I, I'm always at the beach. And so, um, you know, an opportunity came up where they were going to start a franchise in Dubai. And uh, I accepted the job. And the next step was I needed an assistant coach. And... Mm. Um, that's where I come in. There were four or five other guys, you know, I looked at their resumes. They had, you know, stellar resumes, you know, great recommendations. But I knew this was going to be a tall task and I needed somebody who had been through the fire before with me because I'm I'm hard to deal with sometimes because um, I'm real. De- shut up. I'm, <laughs> I'm real demanding um, and I like things done my way. But, you know, I knew that. I said, I need, I need somebody I know, somebody I trust, somebody that doesn't mind having a lot of weight on their shoulders. And so I called you up. Hey, what you up? What you up to, big fella? Man, listen, now this is where the story gets interesting, right? So as Coach mentioned, he had been talking about, um, he had been talking with Steve since about 2015, Steve and, uh, and, and Dwayne. Now, me, I'm in college. Right. So I'm in college, 2015, my senior year of college, um, post TC, a lot of things happened. A lot of things happened basketball wise, but I ended up having a great college career um, and still having an opportunity to play professionally. Um, and my, my uncle, Uncle Roe, 
uh, who's now technical director at uh, the NBA Academy Africa. Um, at the time, he was coaching at George Mason. Um, and he was, when we talked, and I was telling my aunt, I was like, I, I want to I give it a chance just to see what it's like out there in the water if I got um, a chance to play. Now, mind you, the one thing Coach um, mentioned about me having always a lot on my shoulder early. When I was in high school, I was in AP classes. It was me and my, my boy who was star football team. We were, Since we were probably in like seventh grade, we were like the only two black kids, the only two athletes and all those honors. And black. that was just from seventh grade on up to- Upstairs. To, yeah, right? <laughs> on a, on a different floors in the school. And Coach Thomas used to you know, always talk about that too. So for me, basketball, even without me knowing it, was my tool. Right, but I always had some other stuff that I wanted to engage in, and and in college I kind of blossomed into that, and then, you know, I had like some house scares and stuff that made me look at things, you know, through a different eye. So, I was like 17, 18, 19, really since senior year of high school, dealing with stuff to where I had to be real, real mature, and had to figure some stuff out. And it looked like early I had to think like, man, basketball may not be it, and even if it does. I'd probably be done with it by like 27, 28, maybe 30, depending on how it is, the lifespan short. So I remember my uncle showing me like overseas contracts I could get and looking at it. Mind you, I went to a Division three school, not because I couldn't go D1 or D2 or whatever else, but it was the best fit for the time. And I just knew basketball was different then because I knew people that played D1 and they didn't play a minute until their senior year or they had a terrible decision. I went to my school, shout out to Eastern Mennonite University, to where I'm one of the best that ever played there. Um, they showed love. I had the opportunity to do crazy things on campus. Like I came back for grad school. I was a professor. I was a student athlete uh, advisor. I was on a divert diversity and inclusion board. I, you know, I got all these other different I was teaching. Oh, I, I was know, teaching I in that, days and everything. That's I'm still. <laughs> I'm look, still concerned about that because look, that's, my, look, look here you my go. kid goes to Eastern Mennonite and you're the professor. I need a refund. It's crazy because it was like I would do a freshman leadership course by myself. And then uh, shout out to Deanna. Um, she's like family to me now. She was trying to like make me be a professor. So she had me teach a social social movements course with her. But you know how typically teacher assistants, they just like great papers. She had me like put together a syllabus. She would leave to go to conferences and I'd run the whole class. Like the day Trump got elected, I had to teach the class that morning. And it was raining, it was cloudy, kids were like crying. And in that area, there were a lot of like kids from undocumented parents, Hispanic kids. And then right. there was also a lot of very conservative, rural white people. And then there's the athletes sprinkled in there, you know how we are. So I was like, I'm 23, like all those kids, some of them had seen me play basketball the year before, right? And that was just a wild dynamic. So they put me in another space I had never been in. So I did, my uncle showed me those contracts, right? And I talked to some agents and I was like, this what they getting? And at the time I was working at Nordstrom selling women's shoes <laughs> and I was doing substitute teaching at TC and everywhere else. So I was getting a little bit of cash coming in. And I was like, I'm, I'm getting more than that right now. I said, I don't know if I'm... I don't know if I'm willing to do that fight no more because I done fought a lot with basketball already. So I got on the phone and I was like, I think I'm ready to go back to grad school. So I, I got to go to grad school for free. Yep. So I went back, was going through things. You know, I had two business ventures I tried to do with some um, with some friends. Um, one, one was really, really promising. That was my first taste of 
investing your own money and time into something and it's still not working. So I was like, man, fast forward going into my uh, last like four months of grad school from like, uh, it's like June, our business partnership ends with my guy. And, you know, I had been planning to move to LA because we were doing clothing. So I had been planning to move to LA. I was going to be done with grad school in December. I was going to move in January. Like I literally took four trips to Cali to one, look at manufacturers, two, try to get a little job there. I had made a connection with a, with a um, lady at USC. I was looking at apartments. I was doing everything. I was like, I'm going, I'm gone, right? And then business partnership ends and then I'm stuck. I got four months until school is over and then I got to figure some stuff out. So, you know, I'm looking at stuff. I'm like, ah, Kylie ain't gonna work. <laughs> I, ain't gonna, I ain't got enough money. I got to come back later. So I ended up saying, all right, I'm gonna go to Philly. Shout out to uh, my, my family there, Dorsey. You know, he owns, he's a successful business guy and I knew I didn't want to work for anybody. Like after going through grad school and getting my master's degrees and all that other stuff and realizing like what academia looks like and what it looks like to have real control over your own life and everything else, I was like, look, I'm going to risk that gamble. I'm just going to bet on myself, right? So I was like, I'm just going to go to Philly, do like an apprenticeship under my cousin. He'll teach me the ropes about business stuff and I'll figure it out through there. I knew Philly was different though. <laughs> I knew Philly was different, but when you already got it inside, it happened. So, you know, it's like, it's like June, might be around this time, 2019. Um, mind you, I have been spending three weeks driving up and down 61, 66, 81, and 95 to get to Philly. I'm talking about leaving at three in the morning to get to a job interview by 10 in Philly and then driving back. I interviewed at Temple. Right. I got people telling me go to go to Temple or Rutgers to get a PhD and then come back as a professor. And I'm like, I don't like rules, so I probably won't do that. Right. <laughs> you definitely so, don't follow. Yeah, for sure. So coach calls me, right? I just came back from Philly. I had found a little job I was gonna do. I was working with my cousin. I just seen some apartments. I literally just got off the phone. The lady called me. She said, I'm glad you liked it. I'm going to email you the lease so you can sign it off now. You got seven days to sign it or we're going to pass it to the next person on the list. I'm like, cool. And literally 30 minutes later, I get a call from Coach King. And now mind you, King the type, right? Like I sent him a message on, on Monday. He'll text me back two weeks later with a picture in like Niagara Falls. I'm like, yo, what you doing, man? What's up? So he calls me. He's like, yo, did you leave for Philly yet? I said, nah, but I'm, I'm about to get out of this soon. He's like, all right, don't go anywhere just yet. I said, yo, I got a lease I got to sign. And like, you know, like I gave him, I said, I told him it was 48 hours, but I really had a whole week. He's like, don't worry about it. You know, I know a few people. If this don't go through, then I'll find you a place to stay. And I'm like, all right, cool. Because where I was going to stay at ain't going to be where I'm going to try to get him to get me to stay at. So I was like, cool, let's make that happen. So he says, let me call you back in a couple of days. So he called me back and he was like, I'm going to Dubai. I was like, what? <laughs> what do you mean going to Dubai? Like, send me a postcard. Let me know how that is. He's like, no, I'm going to Dubai to, to do this basketball academy. He said, you know how school, you know how work is right after school. You know, the grind is different. Here you can go, you know, stack up, make some connections. All we're doing is coaching basketball. He said, but I need you to come to Boston. I was like, hmm. I want you to tell me, when you called me, it was like, I need you to come to Boston. What was you, what, what was you thinking that play was going to be like? 
I just need you to show your face and I just needed everybody to speak to you. I, I knew that the minute they got a chance to uh, meet you, see your physical presence, see how you carried yourself and everything, you get the job, no no problem. Yeah, yeah. But but you tell tell how did you get to Boston? <laughs> <laughs> I, I flew up there. All right, cool. Right. So I'm in Harrisonburg, Virginia, right? Harrisonburg, Virginia is about two hour drive outside of DC, right? So King calls me, it's like a Monday, I gotta be in Boston on Thursday. So I'm like, yo, how I'm gonna get there? He's like, don't worry, I'm gonna take care of it. He's like, I'm flying out this day. I'll make sure you get here. So I'm like, yo, do I gotta get a suit ready? He said, yeah, it's one of those. So I'm like, all right. I got luckily I got the juice in, in my in uh the college town. So I take my suit to the cleaners, get it back the next morning. He's like, look, Yates, I couldn't get you a flight. I'm like, what? What are we doing? Taking the train? He's like, look, I got you a bus ticket. So I'm like, man. So this is how that day went, right? It's in the middle of the summer. Um, I got to get a haircut once, right? If you know black barbershops, you know you're going to be in there at least four hours, right? <laughs> so I'm driving back. I get back to Alexandria around, let's say, like 1 o'clock. My bus leaves about 7 o'clock, right? So I get to the barbershop, drop the car off at home, I get to the barbershop. And, you know, my barber just taking his time. <laughs> he taking his time. I ain't ate yet or nothing. I get in the chair like four hours later or something like that. I get a haircut. It's like 6.30. And I got to make it to Union Station in D.C. by 7.15. So before I get in the chair, I call my brother. I said, look, bro, I just ordered some fruit from, from so-and-so. Go pick it up. Go give me some snacks. And I'm going to be at the crib in a little bit, right? So I got them. I got a bag. I got a suit in my bag. And the whole time I'm thinking like, damn. What is going on? So they dropped me off, him and his girl. They dropped me off at Union Station King. Ten minutes to spare. I get on the back of the bus. And then I look and I see this shit say 10 hours. <laughs> 10 hours from D.C. to Boston. And the whole time I'm thinking, this better be worth it. Come on, man. Don't paint the picture like you. it's a pity party, man. First of all, it wasn't last minute. Second of all, I did try Every, to get I tried to get you a flight. All the flights were booked. Okay, all right, all right stop, hold on. Then I put you on a bus. I get you on a double decker joint. I get you up, <laughs> no, 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 I get you up top. It's nice. I, I, it's I, the I mega bus. I checked the seats myself. You know it's the mega bus. I said I'm gonna get him the seat that I would sit in. All right. So how can you have? How can you miss out on the flights if it's not a last minute one? He said it wasn't last minute, but I checked all the flights and they were gone. Man, they were no. gone because the trip was last minute. I had a lot of things to do, man. <laughs> but but we get there, right? So I'm talking about, I'm, I get to Boston. It's like six in the morning. He already in it. He already at his joint. I take the Uber to his hotel. And it's funny, right? We talk about bridging the gap. I get to his room. <laughs> he didn't know how to work the AC. <laughs> He had spent that whole night the night before sweating, sleeping. He's like, yo, I might I just had a 10-hour bus ride, running a nap, right? Cause I'm it's 6 30 in the morning now, and I gotta meet whoever this dude is in about three hours. I'm like, I gotta sneak a nap in and look good. He's like, yo, see if you can fix the AC. And then go back to bed. <laughs> I'm like, man, this dude is crazy. Am I lying? This, this is what I'm saying, man. Just <laughs> tell the story the right way. I'm lying. Am I lying? I'm saying, don't try to be funny and make me look bad. I'm saying, I said, we're having technical difficulties with the AC. I don't know if it was the, the thing on the wall or what, but you know what I'm saying? I said, take a look at it. I know you're real good with this type of stuff. 
I'll let you handle it. Well, I got to go take care of some business. I got you. Mm. You know what I'm saying? But he ain't, he ain't tell you the whole story. When he gets to Boston, I got him laid up in a <laughs> nice spot. Eat me out of a house and home. Drink me out of a house and home. Man, look, you know what I'm saying? But I said, I got to make up for it because you had to catch the bus. I feel your pain. Okay. But I got you. All right. We're going to get okay. to that. We're going to get, we make sure you guys remember that because we got witnesses in here, right? He said, I, I set me up in a nice spot, right? I was sleeping on his couch, <laughs> his suite, his room, right? Because I was leaving the same day I got there. <laughs> I was spending the night. So, so I take a little nap. He hit me with a look, take a nap. Get ready, hit the shower. I'll let you know when to come, right? So I'm I'm all like, man, what's going on? I, I got my resume all together and all that stuff because I've been everywhere. I got my good suit on, you know what I'm saying? So the meeting is at Panera Bread, right? So I was like, all right, you know, a little different. So King texts me. He was like, all right, come through. Now, King had told me beforehand that there were already candidates there. But I like like King said, he needs somebody to know him. And I knew what he meant when he said, yo, I need you to come. He's like, I, if I, if I got to go with these guys, it ain't going to work, right? So I was like, all right, cool. So I get there. I get to the Panera Bread when they tell me to pull up. But the interview wasn't over with the guy that they already were considering. And and the guy they were considering was um, um somebody that was familiar with the founder. You know, just naturally, if it's your guy, you're going to lean towards your guy. So, now this is Panera Bread. It's not like an office or nothing. It's like being in a Starbucks. Like the meeting is there. So, I walk in in the Starbucks type of place with a, with a I'm 6'7, six, 6'6, six, six, got my, my suit on, dapper. Clearly, I'm there for something, resume in hand. And I, I'm like, and see the dude still sitting. So, I'm like, man, I'm not about to stand outside. So, I just walk over there, sit down, introduce. <laughs> I shake everybody's hand. You know, I shake his first and I sit down and it was interesting because I think the interview was supposed to be over. And when I get there, so it's, it's a young guy, he was in uh boat shoes, khakis, and maybe a polo or something. Right? Laxed. Really laxed. Like he already had it. So the interview was supposed to be over. The guy stayed another 45 minutes talking to Steve, I guess trying to plead his case. And I'm just sitting there just chilling, you know, just relaxing. And then we talked to Steve for like three hours. Yeah. When after me and the the other guy, the applicant, walked out, I talked to him for about thirty minutes to give Ryan and Steve a chance to to really get to know each other before I come back and sit down and before it's you know formal again. But um, we did stay another three hours, I'd say. Yeah. But like I said, I knew that that's what we needed to do. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I wasn't I wasn't coming. Yeah. You know, and so um, and I didn't want it to be a situation where. They changed their minds at the last minute and said, okay, we got, no, it's either he's going from the beginning or I'm not going at all. So um, I, I just knew once you walked through the door and they got a chance to, to talk to you, I said, it's no, it's a no brainer. Mm -hmm. And so here we are. Let me tell you how I didn't think it was real Why? until the day we got tickets. Why? It was, it was so crazy, right? Like, it was like, oh, you going to Dubai? I remember telling people. Like, I remember went, going around asking my my cousin who I was going to go to Philly with. He was like, man, it's a no-brainer. Get out. Go. Don't even think twice. Mom said the same thing. You know, uncle was like, man, go. Right? He was <laughs> like, he was rolling, like yeah, yeah. yeah, he's like, go do that. Everybody was doing it. But it was still like, my people was like, my boys was like, man, you about to go to Dubai? Like, what? How do you even, what's that like? Like, 15-hour flight? Like, what? So it was, it still sounded crazy because- for me, I was still trying to figure out what I was going to do because L.A. was my big plan, right. right? That was my big thing. And I always wanted to, like, I got this thing, right? 
Like I, I think I'm really smart or capable of a lot of things, but I feel like I haven't proved it to myself yet. So I always was like, I want to be able, like in Alexandria and that TC in that small world, I was, you know, I was real respected. I was people thought highly of me in a certain space. Same thing in Harrisonburg of my peers. So I always was like, man, kind of like imposter syndrome. I was like, man, I gotta prove to myself in a bigger place where there's more of those people that I can be who I think I am, right? So uh, that's why LA was my place. That's what I was thinking. And then when that didn't happen, I was like, God, please just let it be somewhere where I can prove, right? And then when Dubai came, I was like, man, this don't even make any sense. And then you painted the picture. This is this is it. Cause you know, he talks to my mom, and of course, you know, he know, coach knows how a relationship is with me and mom. So he was like, you know, mom was like, look, you good. King got you, you good. So what, what sold me was King told me this, right? He was like, and I talked to Steve, they said, look, you're gonna get a certain amount of change, which is which was great for me just getting out of college. And, you know, I was going to tax free accommodations, all that good stuff. I'm like, cool, I can stack a little bit because I'm just coming out of college. So I don't need too much because I don't have too much. Right. So I'm like, I can stack a little bit and be in Dubai. I only got to train two hours a day. And then all I got to do is post some pictures on Instagram. That's it. Right. Me with my all these degrees and stuff. I'm just going to go to Dubai, network see what I can build out there and just have to do two things. That's what King told me. I was, I just have to do two things. Just train two hours a day. I may have added some other things in there. Man, and post pictures on Instagram. That was all I was going to have to do. But I'll let you take the reign of the story there. You know, we get into that international business. Like, Well, first, I, I did kind of give you a rundown of what possibly could happen. Look, trying to save his face. You know, <laughs> you know, I said, if things go, things go south, I said, we may have to, you know, add some more responsibilities. <laughs> on so, that wasn't part of the contract though. So it was um, written in paper. Um, but so, you know, I get over here a month ahead of him and let's just say nothing was, um, the way it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And, um, from the, out the gate, I'd say we were working overtime. Yeah. Out the gate. Even before Ryan hopped on a plane, he was probably working four to five hours a day for Hoop Mountain in Dubai mm-hmm. to try to prep stuff for us to get going. Um, I get here in the middle of the summer. I get here in the middle of the summer after taking like four or five days in Kuwait. It's so hot outside and humid that. My glasses are steaming up. I got. I don't even wear them because I can't see. Mm-hmm. I got a car, cell phone. That's it. Mm-hmm. No database. Nobody to walk me through things, and I just got to start figuring it out for myself. Mm-hmm. And you know what hoopers do when you go somewhere new? You hit the streets. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You ask. You see who's who's playing where. You look stuff up, you know, um, and you just you just spend every hour of the day and a night out and about trying to meet new people. And so, you know, we spent a month, you know, slow walking things here. And I'm 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 trying to prep Ryan before he gets here, just saying that it's gonna be a little a little hairy. Yeah. But ain't nothing you can't handle, nothing you haven't seen. Yeah. And so, you know, 
he's like, yeah, I, you know, I got it. I'm cool. You know, I don't mind taking on the extra responsibility because it's going to pay off in the future. Right, right. He's funny. His the conversations are definitely R rated. He is deep breaking it down. Right. So the the what we get to here is um is like a lesson in international business. So as Americans, you know, being in a capitalist environment and just having a different way of conducting business and all these other things, and we don't have the wealth of money distributed the way it is in the GCC with so many more people just willingly doing stuff with their money just because they can and not really um, having as much to risk. Not saying that's what we're experiencing with the head, but what we see around, right. right? It's a lot of things that go places where they don't have the same intent or the same foundation built around it. So, you know, when we walked into um, Coach we were basically dropped off in, in Dubai and had to figure out what it was. Now, this wasn't because they didn't want us to be successful. It was kind of going off the business model of the franchise before that was already in Kuwait, that was already successful. And, you know, you would think like, you know, one city may be a lot like the other one. So we can just go ahead and do the same model and boom, we win. Like it's going to work for us. But Dubai is a world of its own. Yeah. And we found that out immediately. Like, you know, the premises was basically just find a gym, train kids, leave, right? But we didn't know that we really would have to find a way to entice, educate, retain, you know, scale, do all of those things at, at one point. And like Coach said, we had to look at each other and was like, we're not going to get paid for what we really got to do. But we both been through the fire together before. So we know, let's just go ahead and make this what we think it can be. And then we can worry about the rest later. Yeah, it was easier easier to do that when you're living in Dubai. Don't get it twisted. That's a fact. We we are, we need to make sure we get compensated well, but Mm -hmm. you can... You can do with do without some things being in Dubai. Mm-hmm. You know, if we were in Gary, Indiana, I'm yeah. out. And that's that's a major <laughs> point too, because what what this place has doesn't have its infrastructure yet, right? Business wise, and what like what I've learned is people don't really understand how important businesses are to building communities, and not just putting a business there to make money, but a business that's engulfed in a community that's conscious. You know that that their their entrepreneurship or whatever is there to really benefit and grow within the community. Right. That's how you get people to stay in Dubai longer. And what we saw was, man, it's not what we thought it was going to be, but man, it can be way more than what it was, right? right? And even bigger than what we thought. So immediately, and this is this is part of the bridging the gap space too. That. That's what makes it so dope to work and play for guys like you and Coach Thomas and Coach Jones and some other guys was when you get to a point and you like, all right, I got to I got to adjust. OG was like, look, I got this basketball business stuff. And for me, I was like, 100 percent you do. He was like, you do what you do. And I was like, for real? He was like, yeah. So I was like, man, the one thing we do know is basketball is the eighth most popular sport in Dubai. <laughs> and not because basketball is not dope, but kids, families don't know anything about it. Right. They don't get to watch the NBA because of um, time, difference. time difference. So you talk about the little language, like guys back home, 
you can tell a kid to run a pick and roll, get back on defense, be in help side, you know, just little things. And they'll know exactly what that is. And you don't think about, man, I'm taking it for granted that this eight-year-old knows what's going on. Right. Right. But then you get somebody that we got in the gym that we literally got to teach. Some kids we got to teach how to run. Right. You run correctly, control their bodies. You know, the little language of the game, because they don't get to hear Hubie Brown, Dick Vitale, or Doris Burke. Stuff just, that we take for granted. Yeah, they don't just get to see that. So now it's like, all right, in order for us to actually have some fun and impact kids' lives, we got to do something completely different. So now, you know, podcast was one of those first things. So I was like, how can we show people that we're different just in the way we talk, we experience things without us, without us being the typical Americans that the rest of the world see is loud, you know, super <laughs> arrogant for no reason or so or anything. Because we saw that, right? And everybody has their thing. So we were like, I was like, all right, OG, you run, you go, I'm going to follow your lead on this. And then on the side, I see several different ways that we can make this even bigger. And he was like, all right, all right, cool. We got it. So now you see me dragging him here, podcast, after we do a whole bunch of stuff we're working. But, you know, now it's like, it's like, all right, you know, we're getting people calling, people listening. It's like, all right, it's different. So it's work. So we basically put together an entire business plan on the, on the, on the run, implemented it, changed it, put it together. And once it started to make a little sense, Corona happened. Yep. Right. Now, mind you, we got here September. Well, we we officially started business October of 2019. We were started with like four kids, maybe. When and <laughs> when he says four kids, that's, that's four kids. Um, and they they weren't coming every day. Yes. They were coming once to twice a week. And that was four kids in four four locations. Four locations. So there were a lot of days where it was just Coach Ryan and I just working out on our yeah. on our game. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I was in shape then. Yeah, and, and, the, and the gyms are different. Like, it's yeah. badminton gyms. People, you know, it's badminton people taking over everything. Most of the athletes, like, girls are playing netball. Like, we didn't know what areas of Dubai to go to. So where we were going, it was like, man, is are we in the right places? How is this going? But, well, we just, we just had to do that. And, um, you know, we had our moments where we went and go played around where the small basketball community is and kind of got the size of the competition a little bit to an extent and then see the state of the culture. And he's like, all right, we will be all right. So going into December, we had a a, a much better thing. Um, we might have had like six, seven <laughs> going into it. And then when February was coming, well, January, we started to be like, okay. Start, start cooking a little bit. We started cooking. We started cooking. You know, we had a we had a long thing where we didn't have a brand identity. So we had to hire a marketing company to help us put that together. You know, like a gift and a curse because it was like, man, like we don't have enough time to do all the running and still do this in the back end, but we need it. But it's expensive. What that did do for me, though, was give me confidence in knowing that, man, we can take over this marketing stuff ourselves because I got all this stuff in house. So we made that decision to put everything in house going into January and then COVID starts to knock things down. And it's like, uh, we got to stop. Yep. No, what happens next is, you know, we start getting those, you know, people getting sick, everything in the world starting to lock down. You know, the one thing about Dubai is this is the cleanest place I've ever been in my life. That's for sure. Clean every part. It's like, it's clean everywhere. So we, we get to the spaces, like we were like one of the last countries to lock down. 
And it's like, it's the middle, it's the beginning of March or like the middle of March. And coach, coach is like, coach came knocking on my, mind you also, Kobe passed. Yeah. Right. And you know, for me, that was heavy. Right. And that's coming off the year when Nipsey passed too. And those two guys were like sources of motivation for me. And I remember you coming knocking on the door for that. And I was, you know, we were in tears. And then I was, you know, I had to walk outside. We were living in like a box. <laughs> Literally the situation was crazy because of the time. And so what, what happens next is coach says, look, man, I don't do good with tight spaces. <laughs> and he know quarantine is coming. Um, and, and he's like, look, I'm going back to the crib. So I literally got to drop him off in the middle of March. I got to drop him off at the airport in the middle of, uh, in the middle of the night, hold like hold midnight. Free, 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 freeze. I said, I'm lying. I said, I need to go home for a quick break. <laughs> so my ticket was a round trip ticket. I was going to be home for three weeks and come right back. And I figured by that time they'd have the COVID situation figured out. I wasn't just leaving him. I was going for a quick break. And I ain't going to lie. I said I wasn't going because I was like, look. And I had my college place, like my apartment, you know, so I was living in like a two, you know, a college, I was two bedrooms by myself and stuff. So if I went back home, I was going to be staying with mom. Right. Like, right. I'm good here. You know what I'm saying? Like. And it's Dubai. And it's I Dubai. Mean, even, and people don't know this, that you're saying lockdown and it was a tight lockdown here, but here's a little different yeah, because they, you can order Anything and have it delivered to you, yeah. and every everybody following rules too. Yeah. <laughs> you right. gonna get dealt with, <laughs> right? And that and so that helped, you know, for it to, the lockdown to ease up a little sooner than other parts of the world. So, mm -hmm. and and to be honest, like as a young guy, I know I gotta take a, a few more of those lumps. So I was like, all right, I'll stay. So if it do open back up, you know, what I'm saying I can keep things going because we did have momentum and yeah. we had put over a lot of work, but. It went from March to April to May and all those other things. So so during that time, though, because we knew, again, we trusted. We trust the work, as Doris Burke says. Trust the work. So during that time, you were doing your thing, calling people, checking in with stuff. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go back, and I'm still in school mode. I'm going to go back and perfect this marketing thing. Like I'm going, to, I took like a, a four or five month course on digital marketing and all this stuff because I was like, I knew I got, I got like eight different things that I want to roll out in the next four or five years. So I got to be able to make sure I can put this together. I want to add people to the team. So I'm gonna be up all day and all night studying and doing all this other different stuff. Don't, yeah, you weren't here, so you don't know. Come on, up, up, <laughs> you, come on. I you call you. Here. I call you and answer the phone. Okay, I'm, eight hours I'm, time I'm, difference. I'm calling to check on you. Okay, you a lot. He calling to show me he got a plate of turkey wings, mac and cheese, rice and gravies, and collard First, greens. We in lockdown. Where am I gonna get that from? Man, cut it out. You back at home. We know I follow the rules. Come on, but we go. So it go from March up until man, like July. And I get stuck in Abu Dhabi. <laughs> I get all not a bad place. It was not a bad place. Not it was beautiful. Place. But during that time, though, and we'll talk about this now, like the entire world had, had a shift yeah. mentally, right? People get got had to sit down and deal with whatever was being suppressed, uh, whatever was might have been stressful within their business life, their work life. And mind you, I'm doing that away from home, you know what I'm saying? My younger brother just had a beautiful baby girl during the middle of that. So I'm like, Jameson. Wow. Yeah, I'm like, wow, this is going crazy. Like people are getting sick everywhere. So now it's like, man, we gotta be mentally, I don't know if OG coming back. <laughs> Come on, man. Look, I don't know if OG coming back. And then I'm like, man, I can see so much going on, but now we're in a different, we're in a different stages of our lives. 
So I'm like, I can't expect him to be like, yeah, I'm going to come back and just kick it. And then I'm like, yo, like, I can risk a few more. He's like, no, nah, I'm trying to retire. While me, I'm in the beginning. And then we still got our business partner in Kuwait that we haven't been able to run with. And he's just getting to know us. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So, and, and seeing how those things were. The beauty of it is, is we all got to see each other at the lowest of lows and see how we would react in those spaces. So it was like, man. But now you kind of still feel, you know, people aren't talking about that fog of oh, being in, a, in corona quarantine. No, no doubt. There's residual effects of not being able to do what you're normally used to doing. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I suffer from it a little bit sometimes. Um, you know, I know if I didn't leave, I wouldn't, yeah. that would have been it. Mm -hmm. I, I I hate being told I can't do something. Mm -hmm. You know, I like, I'll chill and sit down on my own, but I hate being told you can't go outside. You mm -hmm. can't. And so I knew it would, I knew I needed a break, but um, some people are still dealing with that stuff, you know, and it's, and it's every, it's every age group, you know, the kids, you know, that's an important time in, in, in some of their lives in terms of the socializing that, yeah. that they would normally do. Um, Especially in schools. You know, man. people, people that have jobs that were, you know, outside every day or, or um, intermingling with other, you know, people, you know, now you're working from home, you're working remotely. And um, mm -hmm. it, it it's tough, man. And you see some people still dealing with it now. And it's, a, it's you know, a lot of people don't want to diagnose it. Or admit it, right? Yes, yeah, PTSD, man. Yeah. A lot of people are depressed, man, and and it's tough. And uh, you know, and you gotta, you know, figure out a way to move on because the world may never go back to the way it was. Right, for sure. Well, you know, what are the what are some of those things that that from your perspective in your space and where you are? Because we're talking about bridging the gap. There's two different places, right? We're both in two different places. You're thinking about retirement. I'm taking. I'm thinking about how I'm gonna build towards that you know, in the next 15, whatever, 20 years. But think about what effect that's had on you, that 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 quarantine, that COVID, that pandemic, and all those things. It's, it's, um, and how you view it's, it's the, it's the feeling of being boxed in. And what I mean by that is that I'm at a, I'm at an age where I know the clock is ticking and I got to speed things up to put myself in a comfortable space where, I'm not stressed all the time mm -hmm. because, you know, especially being an older guy, African-American, mm -hmm. you know, stress levels, you know, run our blood pressure high and, and cause all types of health issues. And, and I don't want to go through that stuff. You know, I want to get to a point where it's downhill. Mm -hmm. You know, I get a chance to, I'm still going to work cause I'm, I'm never going to be rich, but I want to make sure I'm in a place where I'm Ooh, comfortable. Maybe we don't know. We got a chance. Well, I'm always trying to be humble. You know, that's you know. So, Inshallah. um, you know, it's just that's just where I am right now. What you what you learn about yourself if you did that you didn't already realize or like something that might have been around but you didn't have the time to right really see. Probably the biggest thing, and I, I hate to say this because I know he's gonna take it and run with it, that I need to. I need to trust others a little bit more. You know, I don't trust anybody. Yeah, for for good reason. And, you though. know, I've been through some bad situations and, and people give you real good lip service, but they don't come through. And um, you know, so I know with you and um, you know, I know that I, I got somebody that's got my back. Cause I'm a you know, whenever I've been away from home, I've always just been by myself. You yeah. know, I have friends and things like that, but I've 
you know, it's I don't safe put, as bet. <laughs> I don't put too much trust on, you know, and and not to say I don't, you know, love or anything. It's just I've I've just always been by myself, you know, as the only child until later on in life I realized I had, you know, half brothers and half sisters. So I've always just been by myself. You know, yeah. a lot of decisions I made, good and bad, mostly bad, I've been by myself. You know, and so if I make a decision by myself, you know, I only have one person to blame. Yeah. But when I put my trust in someone else and it goes bad, then I'm like, man, I knew better. You got, you got to, you know, lean on yourself. But you know, I've I've changed a little bit. You know, yeah. see, I'm I'm in I'm sitting here. I would everybody knows I would normally do this. You know no, that for sure. But I, like I said you got a lot to give, and we we're, we're just now getting at the tip of the iceberg and stuff. But for me during that time. It was probably one of the craziest moments. Cause like over the probably since my freshman year in college, I've been in like a real like introspective space. Cause you know I got sick yep. and all those other different things. So I had to like at that space I had to look at stuff different. And then when I went back to grad school, it was like I had to reinvent myself. So I was in a place where I was always like I was used to being alone and I learned how to use that time effectively so i was reading a lot you know i heavy in the malcolm x stuff and i shot the Shakur and then business stuff and then taking time to study all types of stuff on top of being in school so i i kind of knew what to do with the space that i had but what it kind of gave me was it, it made me a little nervous right the fear of kind of like missing out because i've been in school so long and i like i can't wait to finally get in so i can you know i'm, I'm high value now Right, I, I got the knowledge. I know how to apply it. So now I want to get my feet wet and start making this dough, because that's going that's what's going to make it work for me. Right, and my my aunt always told me, "Look, you're rich in other ways." But for me, I was like, "Like Diddy, I can't make nothing happen if I don't have money." Yeah, I've heard that phrase so many times. But it, it's but... it's tough, right? It's yeah. tough. And then you you do eventually see when we get stuff like today, when we got cars from the young girls who won't be able to come back because they have to move and that we really impacted their lives and things like that. But then it's the other half to where I'm always like, I don't like, I, th I feel like I got a lot of game I can share with some people, but I don't want to do too much yet because I know I won't listen to somebody if they can't make that move. If you can't make that shot or at least look like you used to make it, I don't want you <laughs> telling me how to do it. Right. So if you telling me that you got a good idea about how to make some money or make a business successful, but you haven't done it yourself yet, uh, cut it out. So me right. thinking that I'm like, man, I got to get it. 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 But everybody always says, and that's why I love Nipsey. Everybody got his own pace. Your race is your race. Run it at your pace. Just make sure you finish. And for me, I was like, dog, like now Corona happened. You know what I'm saying? Senior year of high school, we got a forfeit games. Right. right after that, I get eye injury. You know, first first year in college, I got an injury right before practice starts. So the season starting off rough. But in retrospect, like my aunt told me, all that stuff helped you be prepared for this moment. Right. So when y'all got down to Dubai and it wasn't what y'all thought it was going to be, you didn't look at it and be like, yo, I'm gone. You looked at it like, oh, I know how to make water turn to wine. <laughs> so we can make it work. So I was looking at it like that, but then I was also like, all right, even if you don't get it, just be present. Because the moment is you're in Dubai. Like you got a chance to make this home. You got you got enough tools in the toolbox to do whatever you need to do around the world. You just got to be confident in what you got with yourself. Right. 
I was like, man, that's still a steady dose because I'm still of the the social media era, era and you know a lot of those things that you see, and you know you sometimes you can't help yourself when you compare yourself to other people, but sometimes right. you just like that's man, it. That's natural. Yeah, it's like I was like I did everything right, I did everything right, right, but then you know you start to realize you know may it wasn't for you, and then maybe something bigger on the other end. Right. So, um, but that's why we're here. So now like. I got everything I ever wanted, right? With a career or a path, right? I wanted to be a business guy, potential business owner, several done. And, and I wanted to like change people's lives while doing it, something fulfilling. I always said I'd never be in basketball again, <laughs> right? Cause I didn't like the politics, but boom, here you go. Guys like we can put both of them together. So now I was in a space to where you can do what you wanted to do business wise. Think only because I was partnering with you. Cause you like, look, you go do that. You know what I'm saying? As long as you take care of this. So now it allows me the space to where it's like, all right, I do that. And then on my side, I'm building this. And then I pull in Ethan, right? And then I'm seeing a couple other people I pull in and I'm like, look, like, you know, this, this can change some stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like we can all get into a different space. And then we teaching our kids that. Right. Right. Giving them a whole different space I'm thinking about, but that's how that's Dubai. That's us. That's how we got here. Um, we're gonna be here for a while, inshallah. But it's it's special. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes it's it's you need a little luck, right? And sometimes the story is what makes it. Like some things don't happen by chance. Like you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> right. sometimes stuff just just because, but some things don't happen just by chance. Like right time, right moment, right people. So yep. um you got any last words? So this is season finale. This is this is it until you know, until we get back in the stew with collective. Shout out to Abdullah too. Big shout out to Lighthouse and Mo. Um, you know, I know he's back at home taking care of his family. But it's the last one. You know, I'm sending this. We send this around the world. Man, you make it seem like it's the last one forever. Nah, but you know, you never know, right? Never we, know. we might get a call and be like, "Look, we want you to do a TV deal." You know, you got to hold off. You can't come back out. Contract disputes might take six months. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> you know, new basketball leagues coming. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. There's a lot of stuff on the horizon. A lot of possibilities here. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, the you know, my in the game wrap up is uh, sort of what you talked about in terms of how we got here and and the process that we went through to get to where we are now, which is we survive. Hmm. There's always going to be ups and downs in life. Stuff's going to hit you unexpectedly. It's, you know, it's going to knock you down, but you can't stay down. You got to get right back up, dust yourself off. And next time, just be ready to duck. Mm -hmm. You know, we talk about now, like, you know, you're, you're dribbling the ball, you get stopped. You're not dead in the water. You can pivot. Mm-hmm. And that's what we did, you know, and that's just from a lot of experiences that we had. I know he's young, but he had a lot of experiences early on that prepared him for this moment. And, you know, and I, I can't say anything more than just the people you have with you will help you get through these tough times if they're good people. And so that's what we did. You know, we had, you know, two good people surrounded by other good people that we have brought into the family now. And we all worked our butts off and we pivoted yes. and we survived. Yes. And then now we're getting a chance to thrive. Mm-hmm. So it's only a matter of time. 
Yes, a big shout out to our business partner and family in Kuwait. Um, like I said, we came here with one expectation, not knowing each other from anything. And and that grew into something completely different, a partnership that's completely different. So, um, you know, put in the work. And I'm going to end it with this. Uh, trust the work. If you put it in, trust the work because it's undeniable. Um, you know, we we had to look at each other in, in a space to where it was like, man, I don't know. I don't know how we got here. <laughs> but like you said, we can't deal with that now. It's time to hit the reverse pivot yep. and, and make it work. And the one thing that we do know as basketball players, which is why we keep putting this out here as kids and telling them, keep fighting, keep working. When you put in the work, the ball is going to fall. You're going to get that extra roll. You know what I'm saying? It's going to it's gonna find your hand sometimes. Like when you don't put on the work, she don't go in. You might have had a couple of things that felt good, but you ain't showed her enough love. Right. So, so trust the work. Times get hard. You know, it starts feeling like you're stuck. Trust the work. Right. Because sometimes when you're stuck and you're feeling like you don't know where to go, it's because you haven't done your due diligence. You haven't really put in the hours. Right. I'm not going to be one that says you got to do the 10,000 hours things because I do think we are in a space where people are overworked. Right. Right. And you can do more just in a more efficient time. But just make it worthwhile. Trust the work. Put in the work and everything else will follow. Um, and if you fall short of the stars, you land on the moon. Right? That's what they say, right? Yep. Yeah. So with that being said, if you're in Dubai, Hoop Mountain DXB, hoopmountain.ae, find us, check in. Even over the summer, we'll be around. Next season, next year, it's going to be incredible. New everything. We're going to send um, thank you all. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you chose to be here with us. <laughs> we appreciate you. Um, again, shout out to Lighthouse Studios, Collective. Uh, big shout out to E! Um, animation, app, website, developer, all that information coming soon. So you guys stay tuned. So he's going to be the, the biggest thing in, in the UAE in about six months. So you guys be ready um, to our guys. Stay ready. We'll be back working your game. That's season one. Bridging the Gap podcast. <laughs>